So how do you balance your career, a really high-flying career in the beauty business, with finally having a baby after 14 years of trying? How do you decide what hour is gonna be spent where and how to make it valuable for both your business and this child that you wanted for a very long time? And that's the story of Sherry Buziak. And she took a long, long time to figure it out and it required her reinventing herself to get herself to the point where she could do that balancing. And she is extremely successful as her own business and being an entrepreneur. And she was extremely successful in corporate life as well, except that now she has both. She has a family and she has her career. So it's a really interesting story about the trade-offs you make and we all know, all of us who've had kids and had a career, oh my goodness, it, it, the only way I could always describe having my first child was like somebody taking my handbag and dumping it out on the floor every day and starting all over again. <laughs> every day was putting my life back together and trying to find the coins that had rolled under the carpet somewhere that I desperately needed. So for all of us who've been there, done that, this kind of reinvention is really inspiring. And if you're thinking about how you might reinvent yourself in a way that would give you more balance, this is a great story for you. It doesn't have to be the beauty business. It can be any business that requires that kind of balance and that kind of fulfillment from having both. So let me welcome Sherry Busiak. Here we are. We got you finally. It's great. Yes, it's great. It was a little struggle to get through, but very happy to be here. Good. Awesome. Well, I'm just jealous. You look like you have IT help from some young man there. And uh, I don't have any IT help. Where is the IT help when you need it? Mine is in New York and not very helpful to me. Yeah. So let's talk about reinvention. And um, I would love to hear about you were a late in life mom, you say. Um, you were in the beauty business. Let's talk a little bit about how you got started in the beauty business and why you were a late in life mom. Sure. So I started in beauty. I've been in beauty for quite some time. I would say, let's say two decades and I'll leave it at that. And um, I actually came to New York City when I was 19 to pursue beauty. Uh, my first entrance was in Revlon. That was one of my first jobs. And since that time, I had gone through different avenues of different types of beauty positions. So from Revlon, I was then at a fragrance company, Florissant, for a little while. And it was great there because I learned from the perfumers about raw materials. And then from there, I also had moved on to being a director of training for a skincare company called Kinell. And one of the things that I'd done previously coming to New York is that I had my esthetician's license and my cosmetology license. So it was a perfect fit to go right into skincare in, in that capacity. Um, what I had realized at some point though, is that I eventually wanted to get into product development. And what happened is early on in my career, I realized that I could not, I couldn't really move forward in getting into a corporate position without 
a college education because right out of high school, I, I just went into beauty school. I really didn't have the direction that I needed at that time to do that. So um, while I was at, you know, I started to go to school at night to FIT to get my bachelor's degree. And that took some quite some time. Um, so while I was working and going to school at night, I then moved again in my career to a dermatology facility. And since I had my esthetician's license, I was able to work with a prominent physician in New York City, and I was the director for their skincare division. So I was there for about six years, finally finished my degree at night, and then I was ready to go into corporate. And I ended up in a position in product development. I knew I wanted to do product development for quite some time. And I ended up there at Avon. And in Avon, I had the opportunity to jump right in at a manager's level for product development for the global skincare division at Avon. And it was quite the journey. I learned a lot there. I had the opportunity to work with uh, very fine chemists and microbiologists. I, because I loved skin, um, skin physiology was second nature to, nature to me. So I was able to learn more about that. Um, and what happened when I was in Avon is that eventually Avon had an initiative to launch a retail brand. And this would have been the first time they would have gone out into retail. And I was on a team of about 75 people. So as I was doing global skincare, I also had this whole second project that I took on. And um, what happened is the, the product launched, it was 400 SKUs, which was a very, very big launch. It was five or six different categories. And what happened is that the brand had launched, I think it was two days before 9-11. And so it really, unfortunately, did not go out on, I would say the best foot because of what was happening globally, almost like what was happening right now with the pandemic also. But this is a little bit more serious or a lot more serious now. And um, what happened is that the brand was in existence for about a year. And eventually, I think they, uh, Avon had made a decision that it just wasn't what a brand that they had anticipated would be uh, monetizing in value. So what happened with that brand is that it was then pulled into a catalog. And what I mean is it, it's what Avon is now. It's pretty much you have a catalog, you order from the catalog, and then you receive your products. Or now, and I think they also you can order online when you have a beauty advisor. So I had the opportunity when we talk about reinvention, I had the opportunity to make a decision at that time because um, the company had decided to, when they put the catalog together, that they were going to dissolve the retail team. And I, I think I was one of five people that decided to stay. And in staying, I was able to pick up other categories, um, color and fragrance. And I'm mentioning that because usually when you're a product developer, for the most part, you kind of put in a box or a pigeonhole. Like if you do skincare, that's all you can do is skincare. Or if you do color, that's all you can do is color. So I took that opportunity to learn 
and to um, expand all my color skills and my fragrance skills that I had from years before that I just wasn't able to implement within my um, position and my role. So in going into catalog, um, it just opened up a whole new world for me. I was, I was given a lot of lead way for concept development and introducing new ideas and new technologies. Um, during that time frame, I had the opportunity to really work closely with uh, raw material suppliers and also um, with R&D a lot, a lot in a more efficient way. And I was able to launch four first market products in a year. Um, it, was, it was a really great journey. I was going to photo shoots, I was involved in um, package development. Um, just a lot of avenues were open because the brand was so tiny. It wasn't such a big part of Avon at that time. But um, as it would be, the brand just wasn't making the numbers that um, the, co the corporate company was happy with. And um, at the same time, what was going on um, or what was happening is that um, I would say probably seven or eight years previously, I had um, I'd lost my parents. I'd lost my parents, um, and this on a personal level. I lost my parents uh, when I was 36. Um, both of them had passed away within four months of each other. And um, what came to me at that time is that um, they had left a legacy, and, and that was to me and my siblings. And um, they, they left a lot, you know, besides values and, and just a lot of things that they had taught me. And I realized that at this time in my life, um, I, I had always, I, I had been struggling with um, infertility, like a lot of women do. Um, and I had taken a break, but after my parents had passed away, I had decided to um, try to get pregnant again. And uh, tried with, try really, and, and I'm sure a lot of women will relate to this in, in the whole infertility cycles. It's kind of, if you're not careful, it could just, you could be like a, a gerbil on a wheel, just constant, constant. So I would say it was probably from the first time that we had started, it was probably, this is already 14 years later. So while I'm in this position at Avon, um, and my parents had kind of, passed away a number of years earlier, um, I had decided to try to get pregnant again. And so while I'm in this being great position, I had become pregnant and it was great. It, it, you know, it was a lot, it was a lot of intervention, a lot of medical help. And um, so while I'm doing becoming in the catalog version, um, just going back to my previous mention is that the brand it was doing double digit millions. I think anybody would be happy with that today, but it just, considering the size of the company, um, I had a sense that probably the brand wasn't going to last. And they started putting me on other projects and kind of said, you know, I don't think we're going to develop anything more for becoming. So I, um, I had to take a look at that. And what I had decided, um, I think it was about six or seven months in, pregnant, I had gone to my supervisor and then I had also mentioned to HR. And I'm sharing this part because it worked out really well in my favor. Um, because I was pregnant, I, I said, you know, um, I don't know if this brand is going to last, 
But I also want the company to know that if there has to come to a decision, I would don't have to be replaced in that. Like I don't need another position within the company. I would be happy to leave with a package. And they never said yes or no. And um, I probably said that two or three times, which is kind of a, a unique position to come from. And what happened, and, and I really loved Avon. Avon was really, really very good to me. Um, what happened is that I, I had delivered my son. And um, so I was out on pregnancy leave. I think it was out for about two weeks, two months, not two weeks, two months. And um, he was born in August and they had called me to come back in, in October of that time. And I was very, I was, I was like, oh my gosh, why are they calling me to come back? You know, I left saying, you don't have to replace me. Just, you know, let me have a package. I knew that that could probably happen. And um, I came back and it probably took another, I would say probably around December or so where the process started to move forward. And I had a sense that I would be able to leave with a package. And um, that was the time that I had, as I, as I was ending my role there, um, I knew that there were certain skill sets that I had. And um, I took a leap. I really took a leap. I, I mean, I did have a cushion, but I took a leap at that time. It was not a gig economy. And I decided to become a consultant. And um, I know there's a lot of people always said, oh, well, you can make your own hours and you can do this and you can do this. It's like, if you're going to become a consultant, it's like, that's not, that's really not the truth. <laughs> the truth is that you had to put in a, a tremendous amount of hours and a tremendous amount of work. But in that transition, um, I, had, uh, I had a sense that, that things were going to move along in my favor. And so what I did is, after I would come home at night, I would start to write and create the concept of my company. And I'm stating my company because sometimes I think that, and, and I've noticed this in, in probably the last seven or eight years, is that sometimes individuals will leave a job and say, I'm going to consult moving in between jobs. And that, that's not what I wanted to do. I really, really wanted to open my own consulting company. So I took the time to write a concept. I think, um, you know, it was a great learning from being in corporate to how to write a concept because it had to be very succinct. Um, I learned about branding and marketing. So I knew I needed to get certain positioning and, and where was I going to fit in the market. Um, I had opportunity to make connections with the designer because I was going on photo shoots. So I made connections with a designer who worked with me on developing a business card. Um, and these were some of the things that I was doing before I had even uh, left my role. Um, upon disengaging from the company, I, just, I did take a little bit of time to myself because I had a newborn. And it was really difficult. You know, it was at 44, only first child. I, you know, I didn't have my mom. I didn't have my mom to call to say, hey, what do I do? I had my girlfriends and they really pulled me through. I remember bringing him home from the hospital and um, 
I had a um, I had a difficult time with nursing, and I and I knew it in the hospital. I'm like, I'm not going to be able to feed this baby, and I was very adamant about nursing because I couldn't do it. I'm one of those people. Tell me that I can't do it, and I'm going to find a way to do it. So, what happened is that once I brought him home, I he wouldn't latch. He wouldn't latch on, and I had to call my girlfriend and. You know, she bought over a pump and everything like that. Eventually, he and I got it together. My son and I got it together, and he was able to nurse. But um, it was it was all new to me. So trying to do a new company and having this infant, I had no idea. I had no idea of the level of um, attention that was needed. It was it was to me like ha having a guest. 24 seven, like somebody having somebody at your house. And I'd love to entertain, but having them there all the time. So you're trying to do that with an infant and then launch beauty edge was, um, I, I think I had shadows underneath my eyes for my, like my first year. So anyway, going back to how beauty edge came, beauty edge came, I have to say that, um, I didn't do it alone as far as, uh, putting my pieces together. I did work with a, um, a placement company who helped me to launch Beauty Edge, making sure I was crossing my T's and dotting my I's. So I would visit her. I think it was with her maybe three months. I would visit her and she gave me some really good insight to how to approach people with networking, um, my pitch, um, and just pretty much kept me on track. Uh, the things that I needed to um, really stay on top of. So you launched both things, your family and your business simultaneously is what you're saying. Yeah. You know, when you say that, I just realized that. <laughs> and that's, and that's why impossible. I a little bit into that area. It's like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize I did that. Yeah. And I mean, did one play did you have to like balance things out or i mean literally i could not have done that i found motherhood so overwhelming and then launching a business which i only did four years ago is so overwhelming i can't even imagine how you did the two together i um i i had to shut things off honestly i was conscious about my time so I had, for example, I had, I had an aunt who was calling me every day and I just wouldn't, I just wouldn't answer. Um, she has since deceased, so she's not going to hear this, but I just, I couldn't, I had to really decide where my energy was going to go. And so many people say, oh, nap when the baby naps. When you have an infant, that baby is up and down and up and down. <laughs> There's no, it's not until there, as many women know, and if you're fortunate, it's not until they're like, starting two or three where they're taking those two hour snippets. So, um, yeah, looking back, it was a lot of, I, I really had to be conscientious of the time I was giving him and the work that I needed to do to get the business going. So explain a little bit about what Beauty Edge is and why you didn't do it just as being a consultant. Why did you make it into an actual business? And um, just run through very quickly some of the big names that you work with and just give us a, you know, a little snapshot for people who are not in the beauty business, what that means. Okay. So when I thought of Beauty Edge, um, the name is what my 
brand is about. It's about um, being on the edge, the edge of technology and bringing that experience into the product when I'm developing them. And then also with impact. So that's how I got to Beauty Edge, the name of my company. Um, it's, it's very, I help brands to launch from concept all the way through finished product if they need it, or if they just need technologies, or if they just need trends, it depends. But um, I decided to do that because at the time, I have to tell you, back then, I maybe had maybe three competitors, and I had my son, and it took me 14 years to have him. And that was 14 years between surgeries or miscarriages, you know, a lot of disappointment. So to me, I needed to manage my time with him. I wanted to be available with him. Little did I know how much time it would take, but at least he was next to me. I wasn't in a building in New York City because I don't live in New York City trying to get back and forth. Um, some of the companies that I have worked with, um, Bath and Body Works was and is a great client of mine. I had started work with them. It was supposed to be a three-month project. It ended up being three years. Um, it, I just kept getting new projects with them. That was a wonderful ride with them. Another great company to work with, I worked with Cody. And with Cody was everything from concept development in the Sally Hansen division, everything from concept development to device development to uh, creating trend decks for them globally. Um, I've worked with other companies, Paris Presents, um, Color Collections, and uh, doing brainstorm sessions with DDF. Um, Strivectin. It's like every company that I've worked with, the project has been a little bit, bit different. Um, most currently, I'm working with a startup brand, which I really like a lot. It's called Shared Planet, and their initiative is about endangered species and um, animals. That's interesting. Yeah. What do you... Um, so people who are maybe thinking about getting into the beauty business, and of course we have laid on top of this now, we have COVID, which I do think is going to shake everything up. I'd love to hear what you're thinking about, um, you know, because we're all about reinvention. How do you reinvent yourself within your current business? Or if you want to change sectors, how would you do that? And what do you see coming from all this disruption and changes? What are the opportunities for women with some kind of experience? And maybe who are, you know, and then we can also talk about, you know, women who have been in the um, corporate area of beauty and want to go out on their own. I mean, there's obvious ways to do that as a consultant, but do you see any new opportunities from that? Okay. Um, let's see if I can do this one at a time. I would say let's start with uh, corporate opportunities. What I'm seeing now, so definitely, so what I'm seeing now is collaboration. There's more collaborative opportunities to reach out to someone to that may be someone who has a different background from yours but is in the industry. And, and I've found that this has worked for myself where I'm, I'm approaching new client potential clients with what maybe some of the skill sets are that I don't really that are not my lead 
So maybe it's numbers. So maybe I have somebody that does a business plan, but I do all the creative, something like that. That would be a great opportunity for someone now. I think right now, especially with COVID and this big switch of working from home, those opportunities of creating, if you wanted to have your own business, um, try, you know, try working from home for a while to see if you like that. Because I think one of the things that I've noticed is that if you've been in the office all the time and you've had to show up in the office all the time, suddenly working from home could be different. Some women may have experienced like, I'm not so sure. I don't like not seeing my colleagues every day. It's something that is a learned discipline. So for me, switching over and working from home was not a big deal. I was, my home office is here and, you know, I would always visit my clients or whatever, but making sure that sense of can you do this and pull yourself up some mornings when you don't want to, you know, when you maybe want to sleep later or you have a, um, a big project that you don't know where to start from. That's some considerations to really have that self-discipline at, I would say, but there are many opportunities, especially beauty. There's so many, and, and I never did this. And especially when I was first starting out, a lot of people said to me, don't you want to launch your own brand? And that's an opportunity is to launch your own brand. I would suggest that with a lot of research first and to be financially set um, because an individual really wouldn't want to go out and find that they need to find more resources. Um, for monies to to launch a brand because it is expensive. What's the minimum that you have to have? I mean, I remember writing about Bobby Brown when I was uh, the beauty editor at Glamour, and she was making five lipsticks in her tub at home. And it, you know, back in the day, um, Glamour was able to launch her whole business by writing about her once. What? And that couldn't have cost much back then. But is yeah. is there stuff like that today or no longer? There, so there's a big scope and certainly someone that wants to launch with five lipsticks can. Now, the, there is a very, very, very big difference. Back then there was Bobby Brown and there was the beauty editors. Today, there is Instagram, there's TikTok, there's, you're not really on Facebook, a little bit, I guess you would, um, not really on LinkedIn, but you have all of these social media platforms that not only do you have to launch a product and make sure you do connect with a beauty editor, then you have to be conscientious of all of the social media platforms. And that takes a lot of work. That's the, the difference, a big difference between now and then. Then to get in front of a beauty editor and be noticed once or twice, you've got it. Today, you know, they'll look at you, but they've got a slew of other products that are coming in. So, um, it, it definitely a go-to-market strategy is very important to have in launching a brand and that costs, right? Are you going to be the influencer or are you going to hire an influencer? Um, it, 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 you know, there are probably that if, if there's a million launches and there's not a million launches, let me try to work with a more reasonable number. If there are a hundred launches and I'm scaling it down, you might be that one person that it just clicks quickly everyone else, it's a lot of, it's a lot of, lot of work and, um, having it pulled together before you step out would be my biggest, my strongest advice as, as far as how much it costs, it depends on what it is that you're doing. 
Um, I, my recommendation is go out with a superstar product. Go out with your star product first. You don't need to launch with 15 different SKUs on the way out, especially if no one is familiar with who you are. If you have a name, if you know, if you have a name and, and you're already um, an influencer, it's going to it's going to be a lot easier because you have a ton of followers. You know. Um, it, it's it's really different, so it's hard to put a number around it. And um, what's the floor, though? What would you have to put? So, say I wanted to launch just one lipstick. I'm thinking, I'm just making this up. But like, what's the floor to get into something like that? Is that ten thousand, fifty thousand, hundred thousand, five thousand? I don't yeah, know enough about so, it. Say if I'm alone by myself and I'm going to just sell to my immediate circle. And my immediate circle is maybe only a thousand or two thousand people, it, it, which is very, it's like that. I, I hate to allude or connect this, but that's kind of like starting out of my house. That could be minimal. You, you could really go to a private label company and maybe start with a, a low under $5,000. But the, the, here's my question is the struggle to get from that number to a profitable business to me would would be a lot harder because then you're waiting for that money to come back so you can invest it back into your business so that you can then extend your brand. I would my suggestion would be is you know if you wanted to start if you want to do it as a hobby or something and and you have the time to build the business it can be done that way. Um, if you wanted to take that same one skew lipstick maybe launch with three different shades or five different shades but then invest more and that investment would be making sure those shades are tested um, on what we call consumer science studies so you're getting a various demographic of not only different age ranges different skin tones um, have claims behind it make it powerful you know is there a technology is it long wear so you know the packaging those types of things now that Maybe you're starting out with maybe, and this is probably on the low end, 50,000. It probably could go higher because you need all of the support behind it, but you're going out a lot stronger. And then with both of them, with both, whatever strategy you take, you have to keep that alive, meaning that you can launch, but then what? How are you going to continue to tell the story? And for me, that's one of the reasons why I really never considered launching a brand because I knew I had to keep it alive. And right. You know, being creative, I'm always coming up with, like I put out fires and <laughs> being uh -huh. creative, you put out fires, you put out the fire, you put out the fire. Right. So that's, that's one of the reasons why I never started a brand myself. But what do you see? Do you see openings coming from COVID? I talked to somebody in the fashion business and she was saying, you know, if what you want to do today is launch narrow into a very narrow, but deep area and just cater to, you know, some small niche that is deep, maybe very, very narrow, and um, that she sees that as the future. She said she also sees selling at home. She's highly skeptical that people are going to be going into department stores and that she sees the way that we sell beauty and fashion going to change. Do you have any sense of that? For sure. There will be a change. Um, well, we are changing. We're changed. Every day we wake up, we're changing. So, yes, I, I do see a change. If I were to foresee into the future, 
Um, I would I would agree with the narrow. However, maybe it's my faith, maybe it's my belief in humanity continuing, which I believe we will. Um, we eventually will open up. So I would say do short term, long term. So short term, maybe it's narrow. Long term is what's your three year, four year out when you're building your brand in the hope that we're not hit with something like this again, because you've made that step out. You, you, you feed that one or two, maybe three SKUs for the first year. And, but still you're always planning years out. And I think it's, I have never worked in fashion. My guess is that's the, it works the same way, but in beauty for sure, we're not, we're not planning only one year out or six year. We usually do anywhere from three to five years. Um, and it's always adjusting. You can always change your calendar, but you have something there that you're planning to the future. I, I, I do know, and looking at lifestyle and how everything has hit us so quickly, a sense of comfort, um, hygiene, um, protection, um, staying at home more, and, and products that can be developed in your home, whether it's different scents or working from home is there something that can be developed to help you to release the stress i would say for sure for sure for sure wellness and body mind spirit all together products around that in beauty they they haven't even touched our industry yet where i see that going I, I feel that area is going to be a very, very strong area. Coming out of this, as we start to come back to what we're used to, which is working and going someplace to a job, there'll be a lot of changes in the environments to the corporate buildings that we'll be going to. I was speaking to an associate um, last week, and, and their whole design within their corporate environment has changed where the plexiglass is going up and they're having different shifts. So my recommendation is to think of the changes that are happening and how can you complement a product to, to go along with that shift. And one last question for you, Sherry. Do you see any advantages that women 40 plus, a little bit older, who've done something, do they have any advantages or are they at a disadvantage in this new world? Gosh, you know, what I appreciate so much is that being an older mom, I got, I got all of the travel, you know, the business trips, the great restaurants, all of the big celebrations. I already had that out of my system. So as, as my colleagues or younger colleagues or were attending, I was like, oh, I know where they're going. They're going to have a great time. And I'm here with my son. So I really, I really was happy that I got, and I didn't know that I got that all out of the way, but I was very happy that I had a lot of my global travel um, experience uh, behind me. Not that I won't travel again, and, and he'll be, you know, my son will be traveling globally once things go and open up again. So I was really happy about that. And then my, my sense, definitely my style of, of um, parenting is different. Um, just because being a little bit more mature and knowing what's coming down the pike and helping him make decisions that you kind of know are going to affect him later. So I appreciate that part of being um, an older mom. 
Awesome. Well, thank you, Sherry. I so appreciate this. That's really interesting. I'm hearing a lot about relaxation, stress, mm-hmm. um, that the whole idea of comfort, hygiene protection, it's very interesting. I think that opens up doors mm-hmm. for all kinds of interesting interventions and in people's creativity. So hopefully we will see all of that coming up. So thank you so much for your time. Glad we got got your sound working and we had this time together. Thanks for being patient with that. Thank you. Oh, oh hey, this is the life of being an entrepreneur. <laughs> it's so crazy. So thank you so much. So I hope you all enjoyed listening to our story about Sherry and how she balanced out her life by reinventing what she was doing within the same sector, but nonetheless completely reinventing it and being very successful in both ways. And I hope if you enjoyed this, you will subscribe and that you will pass this along to other friends who might need some reinvention inspiration or reinvention help. And I hope also that if you enjoy this, you will give us a look over at coveyclub.com. We have hundreds, literally, of new webinars we are doing five times a week to educate you, teach you, help you reinvent, help you improve. And we've got the best experts giving real concrete advice um, in any in any kind of sector or any kind of way that you might be looking for. And we're very personable. That's what's fun too. We also have fun. So come join us and come join coveyclub.com and be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Take care.